Hi, this is Mary, and today we're reading Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 36, New Living Translation. Two years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, seven fat, healthy-looking cows suddenly came up out of the river and began grazing along its bank. Then seven other cows came up from the river, but these were very ugly and gaunt. These cows went over and stood beside the fat cows. Then the thin, ugly cows ate the fat ones. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Soon he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain on one stalk, with every kernel well-formed and plump. Then suddenly seven more heads appeared on the stalk, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind, and these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized that it was a dream. The next morning, as he thought about it, Pharaoh became very concerned as to what the dreams might mean. So he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt and told them about his dreams. But not one of them could suggest what they meant. Then the king's cupbearer spoke up. Today, I've been reminded of my failure, he said. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had a meaning. We told the dreams to a young Hebrew man who was a servant of the captain of the guard. He told us what each of our dreams meant, and everything happened just as he said it would. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was brought hastily from the dungeon. After a quick shave and a change of clothes, he went in and stood in Pharaoh's presence. I had a dream last night, Pharaoh told him, and none of these men can tell me what it means. But I have heard that you can interpret dreams, and that's why I've called for you. It's beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God will tell you what it means, and he will set you at ease. So Pharaoh told him, Joseph, the dream. I was standing on the bank of the Nile River, he said. Suddenly seven fat, healthy-looking cows came up out of the river and began grazing along its bank. But then seven other cows came up from the river. They were very thin and gaunt. In fact, I've never seen such ugly animals in all the land of Egypt. These thin, ugly cows ate up the seven fat ones that had come up out of the river first. But afterwards, they were still as ugly and gaunt as before. Then I woke up. A little later, I had another dream. And this time, there were seven heads of grain on one stalk. All seven heads were plump and full. Then out of the same stalk came seven withered heads, shriveled by the east wind and the withered heads swallowed up the plump ones. I told these dreams to my magicians, but none of them could tell me what they mean. Both dreams mean the same thing, Joseph told Pharaoh. God was telling you what he's about to do. The seven fat cows and the seven plump heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, ugly cows and the seven withered heads of grain represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has shown you what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterwards there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten and wiped out. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so terrible that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having the dream twice, it means that the matter has been decreed by God and that he will make these events happen soon. My suggestion is that you find the wisest man in Egypt and put him in charge of a nationwide program. Let Pharaoh appoint officials over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. 
have them gather all the food and the grain of those good years into the royal storehouses and store it away so there will be food in the cities. That way, there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come. Otherwise, disaster will surely strike the land and all the people will die. So we're not going to read on, but tomorrow it goes on and we see that Pharaoh actually does understand that God revealed the meaning and the message and he does make some huge changes to follow up with that as well as lavishes Joseph with gratitude. So I had originally thought about talking about dreams and visions because for me personally, it's one of the most effective and fun ways that God speaks to me. There's about 380 places in scripture where we see him speak to others in this way. So as a side note, I would say pay attention to your dreams. I like to write mine down and then I ask the Lord to give understanding for them. Just like Joseph said in uh, chapter 40, verse 8, interpreting dreams is God's business. I did used to think that that meant, hands off, this stuff belongs to God alone, but now I'm more inclined to think it's more accurate to say something like, dream interpretation is what God does. It's part of his job description. His business card would read, God, maker of heaven and earth, sustainer of all life, source of all salvation, interpreter of dreams. So I encourage you to pay attention to your dreams and to ask God to help you get something out of them. But that's just my side note. Okay, so what I actually want to focus on is something else that I saw in this passage. Let me start by asking this question. If I told you that something was coming, something big and widespread, something that was going to wipe out prosperity and cause great grief, maybe a virus or something, how would you feel? Would my telling you put your mind at ease? Yet Joseph goes and he tells Pharaoh essentially that same thing. A famine's coming and, quote, all prosperity would be forgotten and wiped out, end quote. And Pharaoh's mind is put at ease. Shalom. In Genesis 41, 16, Joe tells Pharaoh that God will tell him the meaning of his dreams and put his mind at ease. And that word there, put his mind at ease, is shalom. In Hebrew, it means things like healthy, sound, tranquil, secure, whole, safe, peace. I once heard somebody say that it means nothing missing, nothing broken. So Pharaoh has a couple dreams, both with the same meaning, which Joe says is proof that the events are decreed by God. There's no getting around them. All prosperity will be wiped out. And Pharaoh's mind is put at ease. What I want to investigate is how is that possible? And how can we have the same kind of mental ease? How? So here's my theory. Pharaoh's mind was at ease in spite of impending tragedy because God had spoken and Pharaoh listened and believed. When he first had the dreams, he called the professionals of the day. He called the magicians and the wise men of Egypt to interpret. But none could put his mind at ease. Nobody even knew what the dreams meant. In 48, Joseph is clear. It's God who does the interpretation. It's his business. In 41.39, Pharaoh acknowledges that it was God's meaning. Joseph is the one who brought God's opinion into the mix. And only God's opinion can bring peace. Further, I suggest that God's opinion will bring peace, even if all prosperity is still wiped out. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit into the New Testament for a minute to Philippians 4, 6 through 7, which reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
When I was newer in my relationship with Jesus, I was taught how to pray something called the ACTS, A-C-T-S way. It was like an equation to guide your prayer so that you were, quote, praying right. It stood for adoration, confession, supplication, thanksgiving. When it comes to Jesus, I really do want to do things right. So I would pray that way. It would go something like this. Oh God, you are God, no matter what, and I submit to you and to Jesus as my Lord. I confess I'm weak and fearful, and I'm really worried about this impending tragedy. It doesn't look good. I'm asking for you to come and fix it, come and make it okay, come and do what only you can do. And God, thank you. Thank you that you've always been good. Thanks for my family and for the sunshine, even though it's winter. Amen, or something like that. And I have to tell you that for decades, I did not get the peace that surpasses understanding. I tried really hard to imagine that I did. I put the concerning issue out of my head. I told myself things like, this too shall pass. And I always hear Sister Incarnacion from <laughs> Nacho Libre's voice in my head when I say that. But I tried to fake peace, and I did not have transcendent peace, a heart and a mind guarded and put at ease. But I do now. This is because in most recent years, I got to thinking about that verse and the fact that it had failed me, or rather, I must be failing in it over and over and over. So I picked apart the Greek a bit, and here's my new version of that verse. Are you afraid or anxious about something? Anything you feel anxious about, go talk to God about it. Tell him everything that you're feeling and thinking. Ask him for his opinion and his solutions. Then be quiet and listen. He's going to speak. When you have your answer, thank him for that answer. Now your heart and mind will be grounded and guarded in what he has to say about that issue, and you'll be at peace in the midst of it and in spite of it. The biggest shift is that the thanksgiving is for the answer to the specific thing or things that you were anxious about, not some other random list of gratitude. So I suggest a new acronym. I'm going to suggest an equation that's something more like this. I'm going to call it TALK, T-A-L-C, but I'm going to pronounce it TALK because I was really hoping I could find a word that started with K for the last one, but I couldn't. One, tell. Tell God exactly what it is you're anxious or afraid of and get into a conversation with him about it. Two, acknowledge. Acknowledge to him, and this reminds yourself too, that he is big enough wise enough, present enough, caring enough, powerful enough to deal with it. He has, is, and will deliver solutions. Three, listen. Listen to what he says back, whether immediately or over time, or even in dreams. And here I want to add a little something. It's that I can't determine the way in which he speaks. I can only listen, and I have to be willing to allow him to speak in any way that he wants to a thought, a voice, another person, a song, a feeling, an advertisement, a dream, a vision. And it may come from somebody who is radically outside of my cultural comfort or my expectation of who it is that's really going to know what to do. Like Joseph was to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was still willing to hear it. In the midst of his world falling to pieces, Pharaoh received the peace of God by listening to what God was telling him in his dreams and through a scrubby little foreigner from prison. Number four, communicate. 
Clearly communicate your thanks for his specific answers now and as they come over and over and over. And P.S. If he tells you to do something, do what he says. I believe that this will bring you peace. Your heart and your mind will be healthy, sound, tranquil, secure, whole, safe. This has radically changed the way that I pray, and I can now testify that I do experience more and more, and more often than not, over the recent years, an internal peace that far surpasses anything logical or practical. It can't be explained. It gives my thoughts and feelings a solid and trustworthy ground on which to rest. It puts me at ease. Pharaoh got word of something coming that was going to be tragic. But God spoke to Pharaoh about what it was, as well as gave him a plan for how to move through it. And the certain involvement of God in the plan put Pharaoh's mind at ease. Let's pray. Lord, give us ears to hear. Move our hearts to seek after you and only you. Your opinion and only yours sits high above the circle of the universe in the place where things don't even make sense to our tiny human minds. We give you invitation to speak to us. Give us ears to hear and not doubt and a will to walk in what you say. You are the solver of all things. We confess going into ourself and into our own intellect. We confess looking to mankind and not to you and we change our minds about it. We now choose you as our confidant and we bow only to what you have to say. We throw all our trust on you and you alone and we wait in certain expectation of your goodness and answers. Our world is a tangled temptation and an invitation into fear and anxiety. We feel out of control. We are out of control, but you are not. We bow to you. We petition you for answers, for hope, for ideas, for plans, because you alone have them. You alone are the solution. Give us this day all that we need. We choose to rest our minds and our hearts in the peace of you. We move with ease because of you. Let us be as you to the world around us. Let us be the ones who bring healthy, sound, tranquil, secure, whole, safe, and peaceful words and ways. Amen.